Welcome to a new episode of the 905er. My name is Joel McLeod. Uh, I'm Roland Tanner. And before we get started, I would just like to say to our listeners, uh, if you've been enjoying the work that we've done this week on the 905er in covering our stories on the HCDSB uh, uh, Pride flag uh, issue or motion, uh, please consider joining our Patreon and supporting us uh, full time. Your help would be greatly appreciated and would go a long way to helping us continue to do uh, this kind of story. Uh, well, as you may have guessed, yes, this is what we're talking about today is the HCDSB uh, flag, pride flag fiasco. Uh, and joining us today is a special guest. We're lucky to have with us uh, Dr. Alex Power, who presented at the board meeting on Tuesday. Uh, we invited her on because uh, she was there. She was in the thick of it. And we wanted to get her opinion on the fact that we, A, she took time to delegate uh, to present her argument, to present her case. And then the board decided to just end the meeting. Um, Dr. Power, uh, why don't you share for us what, what your perspective is on that, that the, the board decided to end their meeting without actually really debating your, your presentation or any of the other delegate presentations for that matter. Well, thank you so much guys for having me on, uh, today. Uh, I think my response was a little bit of shock uh, initially. I, I actually didn't know that they could do that. Um, I attended the meeting in good faith. I attended the meeting not because of any political issues um, or any affiliations. I did it because this is a really important issue that has been brought forward by the students and uh, by the staff of HCDSB schools. So I attended the meeting with a, a good faith belief that this was going to be our time to delegate, our time to have these discussions brought forward, and that we would finally get an answer to our plea. And I really thought that right now, it is so important that this issue was, was decided upon. And I was very hopeful that it would be a yes, because I don't know if anybody has noticed, but we've been in a COVID pandemic for the last year. And um, everyone is feeling very, very isolated and very sad. And for our LBGTQ plus youth, um, that isolation just puts them further and further in the closet. And I want them to know that they have a safe space when they eventually get back to schools. Please, hopefully it happens. Um, so I really thought that this was such an important decision at such a critical time. So I was really sad and disappointed. It should, I, I should just point out to our, li our listeners, uh, you did delegate, you delegated in favor of uh, raising the, the pride flag at HCDSB schools. Uh, I've, I've attended a number of board meetings myself. They, they have extended board meetings. Now, now how, how this went down in case you weren't uh, watching uh, at 10 o'clock in the HCDSB uh, bylaws, the board, the meeting ends unless a two thirds majority vote uh, to extend the meeting. And it's usually for about half an hour. And then at the end of that half hour, they can vote to extend it again. And they keep doing that until presumably the, the agenda has been completed. They've, they've, they've gone through all the motions on the agenda. Um, this time at 10 o'clock, uh, four of the trustees uh, just said, nope, we're done. We're going home. Uh, I've never actually seen that happen where they just canceled the, the meeting. Um, I, 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 I found it to be shocking and quite 
very much. Uh, uh, I wrote I wrote about this. I found it to be cowardly. Uh, we, we knew that this was a, a contentious debate. It was a uh, highly emotional uh, for both sides, understandably. But unfortunately, like this is this is what they were elected to do to make these decisions and to kind of just cowardly just shy away and back out the kind of the side door. Uh, it was just it was just sad. I, I really don't have any other way to, to, to phrase it. Uh, Roland, what do you think? Well, it's just going to, to, to I mean, the, I, the point you raised in your article was that um, the impression you got was that uh, um, certainly four of the trustees really don't want to discuss this issue because it's, it's, it's embarrassing for them because they're going to, they, well, one suspects they want to make a decision that, that um, will not be popular uh, with the wider population, um, uh, Dr. Power, is that was that kind of the impression you got? I mean, I mean, with your delegation. Now, I have to apologise to listeners. I didn't watch the session last night. I hope to catch up with a bit of it today. I had a meeting last night. Had a meeting today as well. Um, one way or the other, I'm the least informed person in this podcast today. Um, so, uh, um, with your uh, delegation, though, Dr. Power, did they, w- were you asked questions? I mean, I, I heard there was quite a quite a few um, fairly inquisitorial kind of uh, 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 questions put by trustees to the delegates. Is that was that your experience? Yes. So my understanding um, was that questions were meant to clarify on the points of the delegation. Um, however. Uh, that was not necessarily the experience um, that that we had with the questions, not only for myself, um, but also when listening to the questions posed to other delegates. And I also need to take this opportunity that for listeners, um, there was there was a unequal opportunity. Um, and I, I wanna bring uh, forth the point um, when trustee Kelly, the student, one of the student trustees, she posed a brilliant question um, to the last delegate who was against raising the pride flag. And she 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 questioned why we're allowed to take, you know, direct scriptures against those who identify as LBGTQ out of the Bible. But we do not take direct scriptures when we speak about racism, which is listed in the Bible as well. Um, and a point of order or was raised by trustee uh, Antomasi, and it was approved by trustee uh, or by the chair. Um, and I was I was quite sad um, and quite disappointed by the director's decision because there was a lot of questions posed to me um, and posed to other trustees that were clarifying points in the delegation, whereas this was a very good question that was linked very tightly to the delegation that was made. So even in the questions that were that were posed, and there was many that were um, lengthy, um, I, I didn't feel like there was necessarily um, a fear battlefield to start mm-hmm. with. It, it's something I'm familiar with from uh, having delegated at council meetings and things. Uh, very often, questions to delegates are, uh, they're obliged to put them as questions, because that's the rules of procedure, but they're often statements with a question mark at the end. Um, I have a habit on this podcast of, of of asking questions that I forget to put a question mark on the end. Because it's the same thing, you know. Uh, people are making points, and they're 
they don't, they're not really interested in your answer. And I think there's two issues here, really, because there's the issue at stake, which was uh, showing solidarity for LGBT plus uh, students uh, or not. Um, and then there's this issue of of how, I mean, the word, the phrase you used was, was such a sort of perfect choice of you turn up in good faith. Most people's idea of a good night out or a good night on Zoom uh, is not to be at a... Uh, uh, a town hall meeting or, or to delegate to a council or, or to a to a board it's for most people quite intimidating um it's you do it because you feel passionately about something uh, enough to to get up and and to speak and then to have these kind of procedural things put in your way um it, it's really um kind of a slap in the face to citizens and i think it's, it's one of the big problems with the way our political processes work particularly in municipal level that when people do choose to get involved and to get engaged, as, the, as that phrase is often bandied around is, um, you're almost punished for doing so. You're, rather than feeling welcome, and this is fantastic, you, you're getting involved in the democratic life of, of, of the region where you live. Thank you for coming out. This is terrific. Instead, you, you're, you're met with this kind of hostile, deliberately or, or, or accidentally hostile kind of atmosphere of someone using the procedures to make their statement rather than listening to what you're saying and then failing to make that decision. I mean, did, was there any explanation made by the trustees as to why um, they weren't extending the meeting? Was there any notification given to you about when this uh, issue will be discussed again, whether it will be discussed again, why they couldn't come back on Wednesday morning to finish the business up? Was there anything like that made or was it simply, no, we're over, it's done. Thanks very much. So it was a no, we're over, we're done. Thanks very much. But hmm. the kick in the pants here, Roland, is that it means we start all over again. So when this comes up in two weeks or if they call an emergency meeting, um, new delegations will happen. New letters of support should and, and will be put in place. New debate or questions will be posed there is the possibility that they will again use this question or this question period as a filibuster, which is what I realized after the fact happened. And I, I did not I did not know that that was what was happening. I did not know that there was a strategy in place. But after the fact, I certainly feel as if the number of questions and um, the length of the questions, were, they were they were used to fill that space because they knew if they ended the meeting at 10 o'clock, we start right on over again. And if that isn't the actual case, which maybe I'm misreading it, I would I would love to have that conversation with several of the trustees. I, I think it's a fair a fair point to make. Sorry, Joel. Uh, okay. uh, I think it's a fair fair point to make that. That's certainly the impression that's being given. Whether it's true or not, it hardly matters. They've just taken those 200 people who one way or the other were involved in delegating on this issue and uh, and kind of turned them away from the political process by, 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 by acting in this way. And that's the last thing that they should ever want to do. Sorry, Joel, go ahead. Well, I, I, kind of touching on, on that note, it's, you know, it, it's a it, kind of something up that, I mean, Dr. Power, you, you, um, and I, I'm going to say your friend, it was M Michaela uh, Bodner and her daughter that you were delegating with, uh, you, as you said, you went on there in good faith. You, you thought it was a chance to make your case, your argument to the board and the board would either say, uh, th thank you for your, thank you for your words. 
we'll add it to our, our deliberations. Uh, I, I've, I've never, I mean, I've never seen a meeting that they didn't even approve the agenda. Like this was all done before the, even the approving of the agenda or, or sorry, the minutes of the previous meeting. You know, we, this wasn't like, oh, this was in the middle of a meeting and they, they didn't get any work done. It was clear uh, either they lost control of the meeting, which is a possibility, or two, that this was just, a, as you said, it was a filibuster, run on uh, a, a question. I, 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 I mean, when, having come out of it on the other side, Dr. Power, what, what's your sense of the process? Are, 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 are you confident? Are you, are you encouraged to keep going at it? Or are you a bit more jaded uh, coming off on this side of, the, uh, of, of what happened last night? Uh, so I will never allow someone's use of politics or procedure to silence me or to silence the cause of the LBGTQ youth. They have, they have um, stoked the flames that we needed underneath us. Um, I will, I will keep fighting this fight. Does it make me trust that they are there with their best interests or the students' best interests? No, they've, they've lost trust, but they haven't just lost my trust. I think they've lost the trust of, of numerous people because, you know, we are there debating on something that is about the students. And yet they're, the questions they're asking are on our references, right? The references are were listed. We we had a big bibliography, and they are there. Um, and questioning these very public uh, references. Um, so uh, while it was incredibly frustrating and incredibly saddening, it will not stop me um, because I am determined uh, to f- to find a solution and a positive solution, and to continue to advocate for these students. And I and I recognize that I have that privilege because I, you know, I I don't have skin in this game, right? I'm not a teacher who's at risk of losing my job. I'm not part of the LBGTQ community, right? I can put my voice out there and speak it firmly and speak it loudly because I have that privilege, and and I'm not going to let these politics um, silence, silence me on that. What, what do you, what does it say to you that right now in the province of Ontario, um, uh, my, uh, by my recollection, there's only one Catholic school board who's opting, opting to raise the, uh, the pride flag. And that's, uh, Thunder Bay Catholic, uh, uh, school, uh, school board. Um, you know, what does it say in this province that the only the one board is a Catholic board is willing to do this? Do you think? so many things, but it, it says to me that we are allowing fear to dictate our decisions. Um, you know, the Catholic board puts themselves forward as a, as a board of love and inclusivity. But the moment that you choose to exclude one group because they make you feel uncomfortable, it says a lot more about who you are than they are. And I want to go back to the point by the, the last delegate, um, last night and again she was against the the raising of the flag and uh, she was insinuating that somehow by showing this flag that we will be encouraging homosexual behaviors and i'm pretty sure that any of us can go to thunder bay and do a survey before they started raising flags and after they started raising flags and the amount of of homosexuals will not have changed right you know it's it's we will not change someone's intrinsic sexual orientation or intrinsic gender identity 
by raising a flag. Another point that was raised is that this is such a small symbol. Why, why do this? What's the purpose? My response to that, if it's such a small symbol and it means so much to another group, why not? Right. So it's um, it's I, I, I think that it, it means that we need to put on our big girl pants and our big boy pants and we need to get those flags up into the into the sky do you, it's just slightly slightly changing the 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 direction of the question i guess but um do you think ultimately it's any of the regional school board's business i mean shouldn't this it's legal in canada to be gay uh the pride flag is is the pride flag it's a internationally recognized um symbol of the lgbtq plus uh communities um it's a legal flag it's just uh, it's a good thing uh, i think most people recognize why should even a a group of admittedly elected but fairly minor um government functionaries be discussing this subject, which is so much bigger than than, than a school board. Um, I, I I I raised that question um, mm-hmm. myself, and I raised that question with one of the trustees who I had the opportunity to speak to before the meeting, um, and we referenced uh, together uh, Mr. Pierre Trudeau's comment. Right, the government does not have a place in the bedroom of the nation. Well, guess what? The trustees are not at any point requesting to police the sexual activities of their heterosexual students, and they have no business doing so for their homosexual or asexual or bisexual or any sexual students either. It is not the role of a school board to to be policing the sexuality of the children in their care. That is, it is just, it is not appropriate and it actually um, borders on highly inappropriate and, and it ultimately comes back to this this kind of gray area i feel anyway that, that the catholic school boards li- live in that that we that we have separation of church and state in all regards apart from this 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 one area and i, I just don't know that there's ever a fix to this maybe there is maybe there isn't i mean i put the same question to didri pike at the weekend and it's i appreciate that for for um People within the Catholic faith, it's uh, it's a not as clear cut as it may seem to me as someone who's who's uh, not grown up within that system. Um, I can tell you what does happen. Sorry, I, I and I'm I'm from Newfoundland, and we don't have a Catholic school system anymore, right? I when I was in grade eight, the the separation between religious and public school systems got removed for just that reason, right? So that is what happens if a school board cannot keep up with modern thoughts and societal norms. But on, on that note, um, two things. Uh, one, I believe in, in Canada, Ontario and Alberta are the only provinces that actually have a publicly funded separate school system. Uh, if I have my, my facts wrong, I'm open to somebody proving me wrong. But I believe right now, every province, save for Alberta and Ontario, it's just one publicly funded school system. So the notion that oh this is that we can't do anything about it, not true. Uh, and the second point, uh, today looking at uh, the the nine hundred five or social media feed, there is a lot of people who question just that. Why do we have a, a separate Catholic system if they if the Catholic boards cannot accept that 
the LGBTQ community exists. It is inside their schools. They want to feel accepted. And if the board is not willing to make the gestures to welcome them in, there's a question of, is it compatible with a modern uh, 21st century democracy? I don't have a question for that. It's just, this is the debate that we're going down. Uh, It's you know, the, the, and the fact is, I, I don't know if the HCDSB trustees think that this is happening in a bubble. It is not. Uh, the eyes of the province are on Halton right now, on the Halton Catholic School Board. They're they're judging you. They're judging you on on the the failure to do anything on Tuesday night, and they're they're going to judge you on what you do next. Just putting it, it out there. It seems to me, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it seems to me that if the Catholic school boards wish to survive. They need to accept that on issues such as this, they have no jurisdiction. They should not be involved in that. You can have a Catholic school and you can teach uh, Catholicism within that school or Christianity, Christian principles under the law as it stands today. But when it comes to this kind of public statement that you are making as an employee of the government of Ontario, um, paid for by by taxpayers' money, um, I just can't see that they have any business going anywhere near this with a barge pole um and you know that's and that's that's kind of taking out the equation the whole issue of whether this is actually um something that within the 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 christian and catholic faith is is you know the 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 anti side of the equation seems even within catholicism to be um Less less mainstream than it once was when we're looking at statements from from the current pope who well, uh, that seem well, reasonably the, progressive. Well, the the fact is, and Doctor Power, may, you might have the the data to back me up on this, and or I might be completely wrong. I, my take is the majority of Catholics are very progressive on this front. Not not the not the church hierarchy, not the bureaucracy, but actual on the ground Catholics. The number of Catholic teachers who wrote in to support their students or Catholic parents of children who are, who identify as LGBTQ are very supportive of this. And they themselves have said they interpret the teachings of Christ to, to that. This is part of their, their, their calling. They can't, they can't, this is, this is part of their, their Christianity. And the debate is, is raging very much in the church over this. Uh, and I, I would argue it's not fair that the church is still wrestling with this to say that the the argument is final, and therefore the the school our schools must reflect this. The, it's it's unfair to put ki- to to leave kids' uh, health up for up for a debate this way. I, I think it's also uh, just worth highlighting again to to anybody who who hasn't been following this story that it wasn't just about the flag; it was also about. Um, Making a, a visual statement, if you like, putting up a poster in every classroom, saying that uh, a classroom is a is a safe space for everybody, whatever your whatever your gender identity, whatever your sexuality. Um, and doc, I think, sorry, just want, I want Dr. Power, I want, I want you to weigh, weigh in on that because I know in your your practice you deal with. Uh, you're telling me just off camera your your primary focus as a as a doctor is with uh, teen sexual health, uh, and you know just. From your, your give your your professional opinion and expertise, what would seeing a, you know seeing a, a poster with that this school is a safe place 
the the pride flag waving on the flagpole as you walk into the your school's doors what 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 would that do for a an a teen who identifies with the lgbtq community um so just to clarify i i do student health so i work at it mainly at a university um so i'm seeing kids who have left either the public or the catholic system or from international uh students that's one of the main parts of my job um and for students who identify as LBGTQ, we do know that there are, there are, well, for all students, that there are multiple social determinants of mental health, okay? And we know that inclusivity and a sense of belonging at home and at school, that, is, that has been documented by the Canadian Mental Health Association, at school is a huge social determinant of mental health. I will then back that up even further by talking about, um, and you can see this this data on the EGALE Canada website. They do a lot of fantastic research. And we know that our LBGTQ youth um, have much higher rates of physical assault and verbal assault. Um, and we know that that students who have um, who have experienced bullying do much better if they have a safe place to go. So one of the conversations that I brought up that Mr. DeRosa had actually talked to me last night and, and one of the questions was, well, you know, I won't be there, you won't be there after the fact. How do we teach them to stand up for themselves? And the point I made uh, then, and I think it's a very important one, is the concept of resilience. Um, and it's something I talk to my students about all the time. And, and it's something that we can practice on a day-to-day -day basis. It's the concept that when you fall down, the ability to come back up. Well, if someone has beaten you down for years, you cannot build resilience because you are merely trying to survive or you're trying to get out of this world, right? Those are the options, survival or death, right? Not building your mental health or your resilience capacity for failure. So it's not until we have a safe place for these students to be able to be respected and heard, to be feel loved and feel like they belong, that we can actually give them that toolkit so that they're not in their 20s and their 30s struggling with self-esteem issues and mental health issues um, or feelings of, of um, self-harm or self-questioning. Uh, and I, I think that's a really important message. And I want to bring back to another delegation last night by, um, it was a priest and a, a father, and he, you know, um, it was commented by one of the trustees that, well, most bullies back down. And that's not true. If bully sees a target that is not protected, that is who they're gonna go after again and again and again, because bullies are cowards and they're gonna go for the weak link. And the this, this father commented that, well, the stories that we've heard, they're all anecdotal, we don't have the data. And uh, to which one of the other trustees um, questioned and said, well, you've been given the data tonight right, by the first delegation, but how can we believe that that data is scientific, <laughs> right? So when you are telling these young people that their anecdotes are red hearings, why do you think that they would feel safe going to teachers or administrators, right? So that is why I think this symbol is so important because I don't wanna to have to clean up the mess of the Helton Catholic District School Board for the rest of my life. The, the the fact that we're having this debate at all, the fact that we have to debate the worth of waving the pride flag uh, outside schools, 
is this itself causing damage? Do you think to the LGBTQ uh, kids who who are already attending uh, uh, the HCDSB schools? I I can only simply phrase it as a question: What message do you think these kids got last night when the adults in the room didn't have the decency to say, "Gosh, yes, our kids need this." When they could sit there and question the statistics that were given, when they can sit there and question the validity and veracity of the personal accounts that were given, it tells them, shut up and close that door tighter. Put the padlocks on. You are safer in this room by yourself than out in that school. And and it's completely obscene to question you know, if if you if you want data on on bullying of LGBT uh, uh, children, speak to any LGBT person who's been born within the last two hundred years or or before that, um, anywhere in the world. You know, and you will you will have those same stories of, of, of bullying. Either they they they, uh, I mean. That's the norm, not the exception to the rule. You know, hopefully today there are students who go through school with supportive environments. But certainly before about 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, that simply was not a situation that existed for anybody. I mean, I'm not quite as old as Methuselah, but when I went to school, if anybody had said, I'm gay, their life would have been a living hell. Uh, the children who who had any kind of, you know, if they were slightly effeminate, if they were a boy or whatever, they got picked on anyway, uh, whether they were gay or not. Uh, for someone to question that and to say, well, do we have the scientific data? It's like this was the universal experience of people uh, growing up, going through puberty uh, uh, and and finding or questioning their, their, their sexuality or whatever during the entirety of history. <laughs> it's, it's just such a... It's such an absurd uh, point for someone to have made. Um, and the worst part of it was we actually had a alumnus on delegating last night who identifies in the LB- LBGTQ community and shared her personal stories of discrimination uh, and bullying that she had endured during her years at a HCDSB school. She was there. And she shared those stories, and yet it could still be questioned to her face. You're you're referencing uh, Neve uh, Shallow, who we had on uh, on the podcast before. Uh, we saw her uh, uh, delegate. She was very uh, she was very compelling, but we knew that when we uh, after we, we uh, interviewed her. Um, I, I'm we're coming up on our on our on our time limit here, but I just want to ask one final question to you, and this is your opinion. Um, I I have the thought that every now and again organizations or groups of people are presented with an opportunity to rise to the occasion and and take a stand and make their mark uh, in in their communities. Did the H- I think last night was one of those occasions for the Halton Catholic District School Board trustees. And I'm wondering, uh, Dr. Power, in your mind, did the HCDSB drop the ball in, in that regard? 100% they dropped the ball. The question is, what do they want their legacy to be? Because if they can't make the right choices, it will only be a legacy because they will cease to exist, right? So what do they want their legacy to be? Do they want their legacy to be a statement of inclusion and love and to be on the forefront of of 
Ontario's ability to accept everyone the way they were made by God um, or whatever your belief system may be? Um, or do they want to be remembered as an organization that spewed hate and who spewed poison um, towards their own community and practitioners? And I think that is the question that the trustees now have in front of them. And they have they have a very small amount of time to change that, uh, to change that perception. Um, and I really hope that they take this time to look inside of themselves and recognize that when they signed up as trustees, they didn't sign up uh, to put their own self beliefs or interests first. In fact, multi many of them ran with their number one priority being student well-being. Well, the students have asked for this. The teachers who see these students every day have asked for this. The mental health professionals are asking for this, right? So they have an opportunity here to create a new chapter and a new message, but they have to do it really quickly. Well, I think that's the note we're going to end this episode off on. Uh, Dr. Alex Power, thank you for coming on and sharing your your experience with us. Uh, and this is a story that we'll be following uh, when the HCDSB convenes again to debate whether or not to fly the pride flag uh, over their schools. Thank you very much, everyone. And we will talk with you next Tuesday. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer. And such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. 
Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>